Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. But talk can be enlightening. It's very rarely frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel Series, an informal chat about writing television and the business of writing television. Each and every panel benefits 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on 826LA, visit 826LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on iTunes. For more information, go to thrillingadventurehour.com. I'm also currently a writer on the CW Supernatural. Uh, let me introduce our terrific panelists for tonight. Uh, up first we have, and he's going to sit right next to me, Alan Loeb. Uh, Alan is a, primarily you probably know him as a feature writer. He's written such feature films as The Things We Lost in the Fire, 21, uh, and these last two Jennifer Aniston vehicles, uh, The Switch and Just Go With It which was just out. He also created the television series New Amsterdam, uh, which was on television a few years ago. And um, he's currently writing features and television, and he'll have a lot to talk about. Alan Loeb. Thank you. Hello. Say something so they know what you sound like. Hi. That's exactly what he sounds like. Thief Sutton got his start in sitcoms, uh, such, such sitcoms as Newhart and Cheers, and uh, he worked with Bob Newhart on a couple of series, the, the great show Bob, which I was a fan of. Um, he also is the co-creator of the show Thanks. Does anyone remember that show? It was about pilgrims. <laughs> yeah? It was a fun show. Uh, and we'll talk about that. He was most recently a writer on Terriers. Right? Come on. Uh, he's directed a short film. He's uh, a, a published novelist. Please welcome Thief Sutton. Hello. Uh, and finally, uh, our third panelist tonight is Rob Roy Thomas. Rob is a writer, a director, an editor. Um, he, he impresses me with all of his skills, because uh, we just have the one, as far as I know. Uh, he created the unscripted sitcom Significant Others, which ran on Bravo a couple of years ago. And he's done some other unscripted sitcoms, one for Fox called Free Ride. Um, he is a performer, and he's currently in development, uh, from what I understand, with uh, a couple of the networks. Please welcome Rob Roy Thomas. Check, check, one, two, test, test, check. How's that? Yeah? All right. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Um, let's, start, let's start easy. Let's talk about, and we were talking about this in the green room a little bit, how everybody has a different breaking in story. Uh, there seems to be no right way to do it. Or is there? Uh, tell us how each of you broke into this industry. How did you become a paid full-time writer? Uh, let's start with you, Alan. Uh, it took a long time. I uh, came out here when I was around 22, 1993, 1992, 
And I, I just started writing feature spec scripts, basically, and tried to uh, get the attention of an agent, get the attention of a studio executive, producer, anything I could, and it took, it took a long time. A lot of rejection. You know, I'm going to stop you right yeah. now. How did you try to get their attention? What did you do? You just do whatever you can. Um, you know, you meet people. You, I think you got to be in L.A. It's something I tell a lot of people. It's very hard to do outside of L.A. And sending the query letters and all that is a it's an uphill battle. Uh, so you got to be here. You got to be interacting. You got to be social. And any assistant you meet anywhere, you ask them to read your script, and then you give it to them. And then you never hear from them. That's basically 99% of the time. And uh, you just it's kind of a process that goes from there and it takes a long time with a lot of rejection I didn't sell anything I, I had a producer who took my stuff around he was a guy that was n not really well known but some executives took his calls and he took the stuff around and I guess I got noticed through that and there was still a lot of toil and, and nothing really landed but it just kind of got me in the system at the lowest level a lot of pitches a lot of really great horrific pitch stories that went nowhere yeah but eventually, you know, eventually I, I sold a pitch to DreamWorks was the first thing I did in 97. So I guess that was four years after I started. And then I sold a script in 2000. But these were just minor sales, nothing really to pay the bills, nothing really substantial. The, f the movies didn't go anywhere. Um, so it was really, I mean, all the way through till there was real, real, you know, traction was probably 14 years, 12 years. Uh, and what, what was the breakthrough for you? I mean, it seems like it is a series of small steps, which I know that's been my experience as well. Was there something that you can look to and say that that was the turning point? Yeah, there was a script I wrote. Um, my a I went to New York to write a script. I wanted to write it in New York. It was kind of my last script. I was, I was really at my wit's end. My mother was going crazy. She wanted me to get a real job. I, I didn't have any money. I was taking the bus. And uh, so I went to New York to kind of do this Hail Mary script, and, and my agent dropped me. I had an agent at, at, at the time, Broder, and uh, he dropped me the day I started that script. That was what I remember. And, and, and so then I came back to L.A. with the script under my arm, no agent, you know, no car, nothing. And that was actually the script that got a lot of notice and, and well, kind of broke me in and got me signed. Huh. What was different about that script, do you think? Or was it just the fact that you had been doing it for so long? Yeah, I was doing it for a long time. I, I was, my goal started to be just get better with each script, not make money, not sell these things. Because if, if the goal is just to sell the script, make money, you're just going to be so disappointed, you'll probably be spit out. And so I just said, and, and I have my people, I, I'm sure everybody has their people that read their scripts and give them feedback. I said to my people, is this better than the last one? And if the answer was more, more times than not, yes, then I, that was my new definition of success. <laughs> And it kind of that that kind of kept me sane until there was some you know external rewards. Right. Great, uh, Thief. Yeah, um, uh, it's the same same kind of story. I'm uh, I I actually won the Norman Lear Comedy Playwriting Award when I was in college, which you would think would lead somewhere, but uh, <laughs> I you know they brought me out and. Uh, they shook my hand and it was an actor strike and nobody paid any attention to me and so I went back and I was an undergraduate at the time so I went back and I went to graduate school and then I came out and I tried to be a writer and I tried to be a writer I didn't know how to be a writer I knew that I wanted to write I knew that I always always wrote and one thing I'll say that if if you if you always write then you're probably a writer. And if you can do anything else, then bless you, you know, because it is, it is not, it is a, a really, it is a, 
It is a hard life, and unless you enjoy the act of writing itself, <clears throat> then there really isn't any reason to do it. But I, I did it, and I, um, I wrote spec screenplays. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I, you know, I, I almost broke through a number of times at a play that a producer named Lou Grossbard wanted to do in New York for a while, but that didn't go anywhere. And I, I, and I, I did it backwards. I, you know, I got married and I had kids before I started my career. So I had, you know, I was married. I had a baby, or had a baby on the way. I had thirty-six dollars in my checking account, and about three years before that, I had. Um, a friend of mine, was a girl I went to college with, was writing for Newhart, the show set in the inn in Vermont. And, uh, and she told me what a spec script was. She said, well, you write a spec script, write a sample script of the show. And I said, well, sure, I could do that. So I wrote a spec script. She helped me with it. And then I gave it to her, and she brought it into the office. And the next day, she quit, and everybody on the staff was fired. So the script was physically in the office. There wasn't anybody that knew me from Adam there. Three years later, I don't know why, somebody read it. <laughs> By then, the, 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 the cast of Newhart had changed, so the script was, well, you never sell a script, a spec script anyway, but the script was, was not applicable to the show. But they liked the script, and they took me to lunch. And they said, well, we don't have any work for you. And I thought, well, that's great, but at least I got a free lunch out of it. <laughs> and, uh, but at this point, this is when I had you know, $36 in my checking account. I was just this far from going back home and living with my parents and my wife and my baby. And, was, oh. and the agent, who was actually Elliot Webb, so Broder was, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Read it again. He'd read it three years before. He was Barbara Hall was the friend of mine who worked for Newhart. She, um, he was his agent. She was his agent and her agent, and uh, he'd read it. And, uh, but then when he heard that Newhart liked it, he read it again and liked it. Um, because that, that's really that's really one of the main things. I mean, if you can get anybody to like a script, then other people will like it. <laughs> because there's a lot of people out there that don't have any real ability to say yes or no unless somebody else tells them that it's good. So um, uh, he, he sent it to Cheers. And uh, I went in and I, I pitched. I was supposed to pitch at Cheers. I didn't have how to pitch. I didn't have any idea how to pitch. I mean, I didn't have any stories. I, I made up stories that were terrible and awful. And, Do you remember and, any of those? Um, I don't. I don't, mercifully. I remember one, there was one gag I remember where, where the bar stools had been cut down shorter so that everybody sat down. And, and that they kind of liked. So I, I believe there was one gag that I came up with that I liked. So they didn't, they didn't hire me, but they asked me to come back again. And then I came back again, and then they hashed out a story you know, while I was in the room. So I guess I had something to do with it, but I don't think I did. Um, and that was my first script, a spec, uh, a freelance cheers. And I couldn't believe how much money I got for it. You know, I got like, I, I don't remember, I was like $10,000 for it. And I, I was just like, you know, manna from heaven, you know. And then I, then I sold a spec Newhart. And two spec Newharts and a spec, a couple of other shows you never heard of. 
And, you know, so I made like $30,000 in a year. And I thought, this is great. This is all I need. I don't need to do anything else. So, so the next year, um, they, they offered me a job on an, a show that the Charles Brothers, who produced Cheers, were doing as well, a show called All is Forgiven that nobody, nobody remembers because it only lasted for a very short time. And I turned it down because I thought, well, what the hell? I'm making $30,000 a year doing this, and I got a new baby and all that. I don't need, you know, how much more could they pay me? <laughs> then I, I found out how much more they pay me, but I'd already turned it down. <laughs> but the Charles brothers, on the other hand, they thought, wow, boy, this guy's pretty ballsy. He turns down a job on All is Forgiven. He must want to get a job on Cheers. So they offered me a job on Cheers. So I, I, then I, I was a freelance, I was a staff writer on Cheers for, and I stayed on Cheers for eight years, and I worked my way up to being the, uh, you know, executive story editor, story editor, executive producer, and then I executive produced it the last four years. And, uh, and and then I, I I thought I was pretty much I thought I was pretty much set you know and I was for a few years but then I've discovered that the, the that not only is it hard to break into this business but it's impossible to stay in this business I mean you have to work all the time you cannot coast there is no point at which you can coast I mean I don't know maybe if you win an Oscar you can coast for a year or something but that's about it because you are you are always having to prove yourself. Interesting. Uh, let me let me just follow up one thing. When you turned down the job for the uh, Charles Brothers show, uh-huh. were you did you have representation at the time? Uh, well, I I I um I didn't. No, because okay. they <laughs> would have talked you out. <laughs> obviously, no, no, no. And I, I, I later uh, signed with Elliot Webb, mm-hmm. and he, you know, because I mean, my God, I would have I would have been. I was crazy. I was absolutely crazy to turn that job down. But, you know, that show was immediately canceled and all those writers were out of work and the Charles Brothers didn't hire any of them again. So if I had done that, I, you know, I, there's a lot to be said for ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> ignorance can really get you through a lot. You know? So if anyone wants to leave now. Because, not really, if, if I had known everything that I know now when I started, I wouldn't have done it. Because it's, I just, it's just, it's impossible to do it. I mean, <laughs> good advice, everyone. Good advice. Uh, Rob, tell us about how you became a writer. Working, working backwards. Uh-huh. Is this thing on? Working backwards. I have a saying which, which is, uh, uh, it's a business of starting over. Yeah. Right, because you're in it, and then you cannot coast. And some one way or another, you're always faced with starting over. I spent spend more time selling, and 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 involved in selling myself, selling others, selling, selling, selling than I ever imagined. And I'm Mm -hmm. had to turn myself into a salesman. Mm-hmm. I hate salesmen. So I hate me when I look in the mirror because I see a salesman. All right, never mind. Um, <laughs> That's where the story ends. Let's That's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to All right, the beginning. Go, make me track. What's the question? <laughs> you started out as a director, correct? Oh, breaking in. I've broken in several times. Something must be broken in order to break in. You have to break something. You're either going to break symmetry or you're going to break some rule or something is going to break so that you can enter. Um, I started in third grade <laughs> with my own comic strip 
called Paul Onion. <laughs> it was a superhero that had onion breath, and it was modeled after my dad, who would eat cheese and onion sandwiches and gross out the whole family. And I don't know, it just turned into Paul Onion. And then that, I really, looking back at that, those were storyboard frames, and this was always been part of me. It's something I always wanted to do. I'm from Joplin, Missouri. Have you been there? Anybody here from Joplin? Is anyone in Los Angeles from Joplin? Is anyone from... Uh, all right, so... <laughs> and so, cursed with this, right? Afflicted with it. It's not a career, it's an affliction. I'm really not a writer. I'm a director forced to write. I don't like writing. I hate it. It's horrible. It's miserable. It's fucking hell, and I have to do it. And generally, uh, a lot of times, if I can find it, I write, I write into this. It's a nice little stereo voice recorder. I act. So really, I'm an actor, and I'll start acting and writing and recording. And next thing you know, I'm using that like I'm editing film, like I have sound clip, you know, all these bites of things that I've said, and I organize them, and that's how I do it, because I'm a functional illiterate. Uh, but <clears throat> basically, I start off writing and acting and doing all that stuff and having comedy troops, and uh, uh, that's a long, long way from Joplin to here. So uh, basically, it, I did all kinds of things, but uh, um, I ended up in commercials. So I ended up being a comedy director in commercials, having done... TV, magazine segments, you name it. I've done, I've done everything but uh, uh, wardrobe and hair so, because I came up through production, basically. So I'm, I'm almost 100% self-taught, so I have this really bizarre way of working that I taught myself. Then I sell it because I'm always selling. Remember the selling? That never stops. And so... Um, after commercials, there was a writer's strike, then the, on, then the dot-coms crashed. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Which you'll say <laughs> repeatedly, <laughs> right, as you start over. And so uh, I thought, you know, I moved here to direct feature films. I, I'm in commercials, and that's why I wanted to do commercials. I thought that was a good flight time for uh, uh, directing. And so I thought, well, you know, every time I try and raise money for a feature, it, it, we get in a huge argument over the script and it never happens. So how about this? We won't have a script. I'll just improvise the movie and we can all argue in the edit suite over a closed set of material. And we can really fight over something that means that, you know, that is, is in the can. And so I started improvising with all my actor friends and put something together that I thought was a pitch video to raise money for a movie and I started shooting it and my producer was next to me and I just said, fuck, it's a fucking TV show. She goes, just keep shooting. Just keep going. <laughs> so I shot that, cut that into a 22-minute thing, end up in, that was called Day Jobs. It was an office show set in an ad agency and I did that in 2003. We took it to Jeff Zucker at NBC. There were 15 people in the room. We played the 10-minute version and he goes, What's this? I don't get it. Thanks. I came to him, came to him in the parking lot, and it's like, how do you not get that? <laughs> so then uh, I shot another short film, and it was Significant Others, and it was about people in therapy, but I thought, well, what are the kids doing? So uh, everyone's doing, like, cool internet films, so I'll do one called Crime Fighting Crappy Van versus Totally Deaf Football Coach. And I wrote it, and I shot it, and I hated every 
minute of it and I got in I couldn't edit the thing and I thought well, I've spent the money they gave me and what's left uh, my friend Francine has a casting room I've got my actors I put headshots together and went well they look like couples and her room looks like therapy and I'll lock off the camera and shoot it point of view and I'll write all these interview questions and I shot that in three and a half hours and then that turned into a TV show <laughs> by accident only there may have been steps between that. There's a lot of steps. <laughs> but writing, so then basically I became a writer because I was, yeah, you know, so we sold that. We're writing, and that was a uh, all-improvised show. So when you say unscripted, it's I probably write more than someone writing a script because in that format we were shooting uh, uh, greater than, less than improv. Like here's a bunch of ideas and then – it shakes down to this, then it shakes down to these obligatory scenes, and then it, you have to have this. So it would be more like writing a video game where I'm writing all these possibilities that could happen. And uh, uh, basically, that's how I write to this day. It's sort of like I improvise in my room, walking around, I'm typing like Ted Kaczynski, going nuts. I hear a twig snap. I'm hoping there's something out there that I can talk to. <laughs> There isn't. And uh, uh, currently, let's see, I wrote a pilot for NBC this year that got into the spin cycle with all the change, so nothing happened there. But uh, uh, Was that another uh, improvised? I want, here's what happened. I was like, okay, now I'm the improv guy. Damn it. Now I'm the damn improv guy in this town. And they're like, he can't write. It's like, no, you learn the rules before you break the rules. So I knew how to write. I just chose not to, and it's like, okay, I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to drive a stake through the heart of this improv thing. So that is 100% written, but I do have a different way of writing, which is acting. Mm-hmm. So if I get act writers in the uh, in my writer's room, I'll, the first thing I'll do is I'll bring an improv coach in, and we'll start training to act and do improv in the writer's room because I think that because of comedy – it's a you need an audience, basically. So it's just supposed to be like it was when I was a kid in my room. We're all sitting around being funny and writing it down, and that's the way I like to work. <laughs> so I sort of write by socializing, in a way. And good if no one's there, then I'm on my own socializing. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, where I, the big stickler, I'm a big stickler for story design, and that's where I don't abstract, and that's where I don't leave. The, the rails is the three act structure and story events. I'm a big, you know, very, very conservative and old school on that. Mm-hmm. So, he, how everyone says it and how, you know, what, what's happening inside of those moments okay. can go crazy. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, I think let's, let's take a step back to uh, breaking in. How, how Rob, no, how you started uh, talking about that, which is you do have to become a salesman. Uh, you know, you guys talked about going in and pitching and pitching and pitching and not knowing how to pitch. Yeah, which, I still don't know how to pitch. That's my problem. So how do you do I, it? What I, happened? I am not a salesman. And I I just, you know, the funny thing is most writers, if if you're if you're a writer or writer, you know, you, you're sitting alone in your room and you're right. So you're, you're very kind of antisocial. Um, and then you switch to this job where you have to be a salesman. And it's very hard. I do. To this day, I don't know how to do it. 
That's why and I was glad I, I was I, in commercials because yeah. it was all about yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I got into television, I was used to ad agency people and clients yeah. and people in yeah. suits, and they didn't bother me, and I knew how to talk yeah. to them, and it made it a lot easier for yeah. me yeah. to this day. For example, with the, I, I find it's just easier to go, is to go here, hold the baby, you know? Oh, you, that sounds great. Here, you do it, and they give it right back to you. If you fight them off, then they're get mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. you. I, I learned I learned pitching the same way I learned writing, which is by a lot of doing it a lot and doing it badly a lot until you just end up getting better at it and yeah. hopefully yeah. you get good at yeah. it. And yeah. I love pitching. So yeah, well, I, I love it. That's good to know. How what is your process for pitching? Because it's a very different animal than writing is. Well, what I've learned, in my opinion, and in, in, in my experience, is they're really tired. They're really, really not paying attention. They, so get in there as quick as possible. They really don't want the details. They want the the great. They want to laugh. They want the 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 big funny, you know, showpiece, beginning, middle, and end, very quickly, very concisely, very economically, and then out. They get it. So, like thirty-two minute pitches are probably too long. In the feature world, it's like 14 minutes. In TV, it's it, you know, I, if I'm going, if I'm pitching a pilot. It's, it's 12 minutes. It's, it's yeah. in and out. Yeah. It's very yeah. quick that's and it's good. very concise. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing. And you just got to hit them. You got to really hit them. You got to, you got to. It's, it's telling a joke. I mean, you're going in there and you're going to tell a few. Jo- if it's but comedy, people you're without jokes. any sense of humor. Often, <laughs> dead in the rooms. Yes, that's, that's yes. And you, you, most of the rooms, I, I mean, most of eighty percent of the rooms, eighty-five percent of the rooms I'm in, you don't know. They just, I don't know if it, if they're doing it intentionally or not, but they don't. You you cannot read them at all. I, I think that's true, and, and it's it's actually more that way now than it even used to be because I think uh, they don't they, they don't make up their mind until after when they talk about it. Yeah, you know there isn't that one person who listens to it and goes, "Oh, that's great, that's great." And I mean, I remember when I was first starting, because I've been in the business for a long time. Uh, in movies, anyway, there would be times when I would be pitching an idea, and the guy would stop me and say, "That's fine, that's right, you're you got it, that's wonderful, go write it." And I didn't even get through the whole pitch. Yeah. Now that never happens anymore. I uh, yeah, I'm it's. Yeah. It's in, it's incredible the, the diversity of rooms and the and and what you're going to go through. I had a guy fall asleep in the middle of a pitch. <laughs> that just fell asleep. I've, I've, what do you do? With uh, that? There's, 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 that was yeah, do that was that was horrifying. I kind of turned to the producer. I go, "Do you want me to do you want me to keep going?" Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel two hours later? Yeah. Uh, ironically, we didn't sell it to right. him. Yeah. Did not see that coming. Yeah, There's a no. female executive I know who's constantly going out to the window looking for car accidents. Every time I have to speak. But I, I want to go back Whoa. to something you said before. Um, uh, the improv, I think, is a really good training for writers. It's a really good training. For, I mean, almost the entire staff of Cheers was made up of ex-improv actors. Why do you think so? Well, because it's the same thing. You're sitting around and you're trying to come up with funny stuff and you're not performing it but you uh you know you gotta gotta give and take you gotta you know when when it when it's work and when it's really working when a room is really working uh you know one person can pitch a punch uh, the setup and the other person can pitch the punchline and they didn't even get together on it you know just boom boom it just goes and and you know don't say no and all that stuff you know you just gotta gotta learn to Express yourself, you know, and you get out of your head. You're yeah, not yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. There are two things about pitching that that I find true. Is first of all, when you pitch to a mid-level executive, if they do like it, definitely offer 
to go pitch to their boss because they they're not good pitchers and they have to go sell your product. Yeah, can, can you to their explain boss. the structure of pitching <laughs> in as much as it can be explained? I mean, uh, and to and most of the time you're pitching to someone who can't buy. They mm-hmm. can't buy in the room. Right. They just if they like it, they have to go to their higher up, and then you can, they have to sell it, you, and they're not good at it. And then you can you can say no, I would rather pitch this myself. How do you say? Yeah, that I, I would just say, look, if you want me to go in to Joe, if you need me to go into Joe with you and give him the same pitch. And That's they really often good. love that because then they're That's off a really the hook. Good idea. And then you come in, you got to do it. But the other thing is, you got to be confident. You got to be really confident. There can be no cracks in your armor. If you do the sweating thing, if you do the nervous thing, if you do the talking thing, where you start to talk in circles because you're nervous, they'll just it just it, it kills the pitch. They don't they can't separate your confidence from the quality of what you're pitching. So if you're doing it with a lot of confidence, you know what your salesmanship, you know what you're saying, and you're doing it like I got this, I got this. This is awesome. You're gonna want this and you have that attitude it's going to help you a million times over you can also i've over rehearsed oh yeah for a pitch yeah. and had it yeah. too yeah. much in my head you know yeah. and couldn't yeah. pay attention because yeah. it's also acting and performing so you have yeah. and there you know you have to be in that room at that moment too but that's a great idea yeah. offering to yeah. go pitch their yeah. boss yeah. for them because yeah. you always get they like, love it if they really like the project they don't they, they know you're going to do it better than they can yeah. And because you're always urged to keep it simple, because they're going to go take it to their bosses, and that I always, always feel like I'm dumbing it down, well, and also, hurting it. And also, I figure, well, how do they how do they pitch it? I mean, how do they do? Are they any good at it? And I mean, you've met them, not. so you yeah, know, know. Yeah. how they are. I know. I know. I know. You want to <laughs> keep on with us? <laughs> but the other the only uh, other thing I'd say on pitching, yeah. uh, the, the last thing I'd say on pitching is less is more. Less is more. People love to overpitch, and they love to get into so many minute details, and and it just doesn't it doesn't help the cause when you when you're in the 25th minute and the 28th minute. You yeah. gotta the thing that you find fascinating about your show may not be the thing that everyone. Finds I, I got one for you. The the, the you ready the sizzle reel. You want to talk about it? The Tell them what it is, is first. Do we all know what a sizzle reel is? Shooting something that's that's I'm I might be one of the first people that sold a show that way, and it's become a thing that you're just is going to be in, an institution. It already is in reality television, but I mean, I shot something this summer that I'm cutting that we're using to sell, and it speak for me. It speaks better than anything any pitch I could give. So I, I, they're horrible and hard to make, but it, it can work if you do it right. It can kill you if it doesn't, if if you don't do it right. But it, it's more and more and more a part of it. In fact, I'm getting into like a business of helping people, consulting and doing sizzle reels for people because I know how to do them and produce them, and they're like it's like shooting a little pilot. But uh, that, that's also presentation. Then it turns into presentation with with the networks. They'll pay for the sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. If you can, that's sort of like, well, let me pitch this to your bo- your boss. I often will go, why don't we shoot a piece of this? Or I have an idea. I'd like to shoot a presentation for you on it. <laughs> You know, and uh, uh, it's a world of hurt. You know, when you shoot, it's like conjuring Satan anytime you do it, no matter how much you don't believe he's going to show up on your set, he's going to. But the sizzle reel can work, and that's just going to be part of it, especially when it's so easy and you've got, you know, can shoot great quality at home, basically. Yeah. yeah I, the the mo- first thing I shot was on a white psych stage like that. 
I've, I've often believed you could shoot, they could shoot tons of pilots if they just shot them in white limbo and blew off all the sets and everything. You could shoot them like that because it's story and character. And no one once said, hey, they're nowhere. <laughs> Not once did anyone ever point out that they were nowhere. Sure, if you can get them engaged, if you can get them into, in, invested in that story. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, before we get in the room to pitch, uh, most of us need representation. Uh, how did, did you guys? Did we? Here's my did question for you. It? He lost his and then got something. And I did not. I well, my my agent. I mean, the person who became my agent did send it to Cheers, but he wasn't my agent at that time. He just sort of did it to see how I, it went. So, I think the word representation is actually confusing. I don't think you need an agent necessarily, but you need someone. It can be called a producer. It can be called a manager. It can be called an agent. It can be your friend who's an actor on a show. It can be anybody that's going to bat for you. And that's kind of what I think of as representation. And you do need that, I think, for the most part. It's very hard to do it on your own. You need someone out there. So I, I tell a lot of people, is like, don't focus on the agent as much. To me, that semantically is the hardest thing to get. I, didn't, I, I had sold something before I got an agent. I got an agent after I sold this pitch to DreamWorks. Uh, but you need someone. And most likely, the easier people to get to look at your stuff and take your stuff around town are going to be producers of all different levels and, uh, and managers. Yeah, Anything yeah, yeah. I, I was remembering that the the great television writer David Lloyd. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He sure. wrote the episode of Mary Tyler Moore where Chuckles the clown was shucked by the elephant. Um, he did not. He never had an agent. He never had an agent. He used to go in and negotiate with the uh, executives for the for Paramount as his agent. He would go in and say, "Well, David Lloyd wants this, and David Lloyd wants that." And he would go, "Well, let me let me let me go out in the next room and discuss this with David Lloyd." And he would go back, and he would do, and it was the, f- <laughs> and he and he he had a rule. He it was the headlight rule. He would you would never drive home with his headlights on. So when it got to be dark, he was out of there. <laughs> That's amazing. That sounds uh, like Tony Clifton. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also, though, consider a different time. I mean, the seventies and eighties were a different television oh, landscape yes, than yes, we're, we're yes, in now. Yes, what yes. do you guys? Uh, all of metal detectors or security or true. anything. No. That's why you could do that. Uh, so. But all of you guys have pilots in in development or in contention, or at least have you know within the past year. How are things different than when you entered the business? Well, I'm because I've been in the business the longest. Um, I, you know, they, they're just a lot more network interference and a lot more, a lot more executives. Uh, it used to be that you would you would talk to one person, and they would you would sell it to them. You would write it. They would, and and now there's just it's just a lot more interference. Mm-hmm. But other than it's that, more corporate it's more corporate. Uh, you get the feeling you, you, you get notes on the phone from all these disembodied mm-hmm. voices. You don't know who's saying what. You get conference calls with fourteen people yeah, on the line. Yeah, and you don't know if the guy who's giving you this note is the guy that came in to deliver the sandwiches in the <laughs> other room, or if he's the head of the studio or something. See, I was used um, to that from commercials. Yeah, so yeah. It was like, uh huh. So it it 
it, but, but you know, ultimately, it's not that different. You know, it's I, it's they don't do as many pilots as they used to. I think the good thing is there's a lot more networks. Cable yeah. has yeah. given a lot more buyers out there. You yeah. you know, in, in all sorts of arenas, you get Comedy Central, MTV are buying scripted. You you have AMC, FX, Showtime, HBO, TNT, USA. I mean, you got a huge amount of people. It's not just three networks anymore. It's not a network. I mean, uh-huh. and then there are the networks. So. Uh-huh. I think there are a lot more places to sell to, and I think there's actually, as a whole, because of cable, a lot more production out there, a lot more things getting put on the air yeah. and shot. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the the, the, the Finson ruling that they they did back in the Clinton administration, where they they it used to be that the studios couldn't own networks, and so therefore the studios and the networks were very evenly there were very separate things and your studio generally defended you against the network it was generally that way and now the studio and the network are the same and so they get to you know they get to gang up on you and there isn't really anybody that that stands up for you if they're if they've decided that they're have trouble with you so what do you do with that you know how do you how do you respond to a network or a studio or whatever it is saying I can't work with this person because your reputation is a big part of who you are as a writer. Well, yeah, in town. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you just have to you just have to weather it. You know. Um, yeah, and this we is have a- Charlie Sheen making us all look <laughs> easy to deal yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, Warner Brothers is one of the few is the last studio that really is a studio. They sell to the other networks, and um, uh, so they're. That, that, I'm, I'm working there now, and 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 that that feels kind of like the old days. It, really, it, interesting. Uh, it, uh, yeah. uh, each of you guys has had uh, work in cable and on one of the broadcast networks. Has there been a discernible difference? Between uh, working in those two venues, well, you know, I, I worked for FX, and you know, they they were great. I mean, they did not interfere at all. I mean, they were just yeah. I've had a very yeah, good experience yeah. with TNT this year. Yeah, um, yeah. My experience with Fox, I did something with Fox a few years ago, was was okay. It wasn't terrible, mm-hmm. but it, but the I guess cable as a whole is a little bit more create artist friendly. They're more to me. They're more like film people. This is my next I have better conversations with people in cable. They understand. They seem to know more. They're less corporate and less business majory. They seem to understand story better. And they don't do as many shows. So and they specialize in what they do. They know what they do. And if you're doing what, if your if your sensibilities are close to, probably if they buy from you, their your sensibilities are closer to what they do. Whoever you sold to, so there is more synergy there. And they seem to have fewer. Extraneous executives. Well, I think it's the advertising yeah. too, you know, in network television. They're still, ah, they're so touchy about everything because of advertising mm-hmm. that that uh, you know you have to make so many people happy. It has to be a certain kind of thing in a certain way that that gets really tricky. And so you're not really having the real kind of conversations. It's what it what it isn't. The numbers is in a way. The numbers are much better in cable. Uh, a cable network will buy ten things. They'll shoot six of them and put four on the air. A network will buy sixty, shoot six, and put two on the air. I mean, it's incredibly, yeah. Yeah. it's incredibly more competitive to get a show on a network. And it's, yeah. if you can sell to a cable network, you have a good shot of getting your pilot shot and possibly on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's. You touched on the difference between a feature. Uh, room and a, a TV room. I, I, have to, I have to blurt something out. I wish you would. Okay. 
It's a business using an art form to make money. <laughs> okay. Write that down. You might yes. want to write that down. I, I try often. I will remind people of that. That's absolutely it's, true. That so uh, from from what I'm doing and from what they're doing, it's a business using an art form to make money. Uh, you have yeah. to have both. You can't just have business. You can't just have art. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask then. But what was your question? Where is <laughs> no? Uh, where is that line? You know, if we are dealing with business and we are dealing with art, you know, however you feel about which way uh, you sway on that that spectrum. How, when when do you write something for yourself? When do you write something for them? When do you write? You can get caught. You can get lost in that. You can. End up writing something for them and think you're writing it for you. You yeah, know what I mean? That's why you have to be basically careful. You, you always have to write for yourself because yeah. that's the only thing you can write that's any good. You know, you just have to do it, and you have to hope that 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 will coincide with what they want. But well, do you ever find yourself go, going, "Well, I like this, but that'll never play on this." You know, like like every cable network and every TV network is like a different venue. It's a theater. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that joke won't play in this theater. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so then I, that that can be where it, that is that is the outside affecting you. If you have but an well, idea, yeah, yeah. If you have an idea that's really out there and you don't feel is going to is going to be pitchable or sellable, but you love it, just write it, spec it and see yeah. if anybody responds. Mm-hmm. Well, I have another theory too. If you ever, it has to do with rock and roll bands. Have you ever noticed that the band's favorite song isn't the audience's favorite song. Yeah. yeah. So just because it's something that I, that's my favorite thing that I think is the funniest, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best thing for the audience. Yeah. You know, that's the best thing for me. And so that's where I'm like... Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah, all the time, yeah. I, I, and, 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 and uh, okay, I don't have an ending. <laughs> Just as well. It is. Oh, thank you. Oh, turn on me. No, I don't. I don't, I don't have a follow-up question. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, Alan, tell us about your experience with New Amsterdam because I think this is going to uh, set the stage for uh, uh, my next question. Well, that was the first thing I ever did in TV. I was doing f- features. And how did you make the the leap? Uh, actually, it was it was at my agency. They 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 asked me if I wanted to do television. I didn't know much about the TV business at all because I was in, I was focused on the movie business. And I met with a TV agent who explained to me how it works in television. That uh, when you create a show, if you develop, create a show, get on there, you get a lot more respect. You you have a lot more say in the final product. And and you know and that was all interesting to me. So that's what was born from that. That was the first pitch I took out. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, Were you prepared to pitch television? Was it a different process than pitching? I just, I, 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 I did the same thing I did in features. The one thing I learned, or what they told me, my agency, and I think it's still what I do, and I produce too, so I, I go into a lot of pitches as a producer with other writers. And the one thing I sell, tell them, and you guys can tell me if this has been your experience, is they want to hear the show. They want to hear... The, the arcs of the characters, the tone of the show. What they don't ask is, what are, what's episode 19? What's episode 20? What's yeah, episode 13? Yeah, yeah. And they often don't say, well, what's the pilot episode? They, yeah, don't, they yeah, won't even care. Yeah, yeah. But they it's the show. To, yeah. That used to be the way you did it. Is you had to like think all the way down the line like that. Now, it isn't that. Yeah. Actually, like, I, 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 never, I never had them do it. I mean, really? I, I've, I've never had them do it. I mean, generally, you just... I wasted a bunch of time writing that yeah, shit. I, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. It depends. I mean... <laughs> I mean, on 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 uh, on terriers, you know, uh, we didn't have a clue where the story was going. You know, we we didn't, we really didn't, um, and they never asked us. 
So yeah, they, they often don't. We just made it up as we went along. And, and, and I think that was actually better because it became, you know, it grew in more strange ways and all that. But. Huh, that's interesting. I have to say, and uh, we've had the exact opposite experience where we'll pitch and I've say, heard that. what's up, what's episode two, what's the first yeah. season, yeah. come in with five years of uh, yeah, story. Yeah, you have to have it. Yeah, See, I'm I've, confused. I have, I have heard that too, but I've in never my own that. experience, I've never I have never... That. I have never. Interesting. Had it doesn't that hurt to think it through, though. No, 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 you, no, 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 no. If you know, but, it's but, good. But, but I've on never the other seen hand, it. it's, it's one of those things that it's good to know. Yeah. But yeah. you don't share it with them unless yeah. they ask. Right. 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 Because I've never had the mask. Yeah. yeah no, no, <laughs> or what's the pilot about? Yeah. I've never. Because the thing is, also, also, when really? you when you do a television show, yeah. when you do a, a, a you know, you're until you get it cast, until you get the actors up there doing it, you don't really know what you have. Well, that's so the anything thing no one that wants you, to admit. To. Anything that you that you had planned beforehand really goes out the window, because you know you just see oh that works and that doesn't work and you know it's the old you make a film three times thing that nobody yeah. wants to really talk yeah. about. Yeah. You, know, you can talk about it. No, I mean in business, it's like <laughs> but, well we agreed on this. It's like oh yeah, it's, it's like the uncertainty principle. It just changed. Yeah, and uh, uh, but yeah, through every stage in their situation, breaking in. Though you, it's different than once you're in, and you because you're you're the way you get in, and then what you do when you come back for your second pitch, and as you go along, can be different than when you're an unknown. But yeah, but I, I I've I've talked to writers, I met with writers who are trying to break in, and I I often get the well, I've written the first nine episodes, and I'm like, that's really unfortunate. <laughs> what you a know, tremendous waste didn't of time. Have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should have yeah. created nine separate shows, yeah. and then your chances yeah. are better. Yeah. I mean, no, no I, I guess I, I wasn't saying I wasn't talking about how many episodes you you go down the road on. It's just sort of like how loose you can be or how buttoned up you are. When you're known and you walk in versus when you're an unknown and well, they, you have to write a script. They're going to read your script. They're not going to hear a pitch. They're going to these guys are going to write a script that someone's mm-hmm. going to read somewhere yeah. or another. And then if they're close to if if you're close to if you're not known and you are close to selling a show, they'll 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 direct where you need to further audition because you will need to further audition. So they'll say, can you write up? Five log lines. Can you just tell me? Can you do some paper on where the characters are going to go? They'll tell you what to go away with, and you'll do three or four things to keep auditioning until you get that job. It, it's it's about um, uh, where you guys are. You know, it's about the proof of concept is going to be the whole thing that you've written, or the spec script that they've written, or the sizzle reel, or the presentation you shot that proves the concept. You know, when, late, later on when you're in the game, it's a different thing. Sure. You would use different techniques. Absolutely. Uh, I want to take a minute before we turn over to questions from you guys. Um, let's talk about Terriers as an example. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you you were telling me earlier that you guys had shot everything or most everything. We right? shot the entire series about two months before it premiered. Okay. So we were Anik Man in June and it premiered in September, let's say. And uh, so we didn't have that that those those crushing days when you get the ratings back in and no one is watching the show and you have to go out and film it anyway. Or the the elation days when and think oh we're doing great we're doing great we just just shot it in a vacuum. And you know that that was really good. You know, we we I mean it was kind of odd because you know you couldn't tell. I wonder 
will this character score or not? You know, will this character be bringing back? Will people want us to bring him back? Now, in the end, it didn't matter because no one watched it. But, um, but uh, it, it was, it was. I, I guess it was, it was probably freeing because you you weren't thinking about the the response of the show, the reaction, the audience reaction to the show. You were just thinking about doing the show. Uh, what This is a question that came up in the last series of panels that we did, and I don't know if this applies, but it may apply to something uh, that you guys have worked on. But when you are working on something that you are passionate about, you are writing it for yourself or for a network for that matter, but it's still coming from you. Um, what do you do to deal with the people who are saying, no, that's no good, or no, you can't write that thing? Uh, well, there's de- no home for that, whatever it is. You know, it depends on how much they're saying that. I mean, if they're saying that about the whole thing, <laughs> then fuck it. You know, you don't, you don't sell it to them, you know. If they're saying that about – if they love everything except for this one thing and this one thing doesn't really matter – then you can be as flexible as you want. You say, oh, that's a great note. Oh, my God. Because, because they like to hear that they gave a great note. Yep. <laughs> they, they love that. They love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but if they, if they are doing what they often do, uh, what the networks anyway often do, which is that they buy a show and then they immediately get scared by the thing that makes the show the show, <laughs> um, then you're in trouble. You're really in trouble because, uh, you know, I... I, I you're, you're, you really get caught in a bind, and it's really tough, and it's really tough. And you have to you have to stick to your guns, and they can make it really, really difficult for you. I, I have a little answer to that. On <clears throat> significant others, we would, you know, the second season, first season, no one knew what we were doing. They're like, we did whatever we wanted to do. Second season was different, and we came up with a little technique, which was here we're, we had to get the story approved – here it is, and it's like you're saying, here's our note. It's just a little thing, and the note, the little note happens to be the heartbeat yeah, of the whole yeah, thing. It's the yeah, core yeah, idea yeah. of it. And, and uh, what, what I started doing is like saying, okay, then let's just throw the whole idea out, and I'll come up with something else rather than trying to fix it. Because at that point, it's like they're, it's just not going to function. The story yeah. isn't going to yeah. function anymore. Yeah. But, and what's the reaction that, to that? Huh? What's the reaction I made to a them? rule. I said, this is the rule that we have over here. If you don't like this, if you don't like this part of it, we'd rather just throw it out and start all over with something else. And did they did they react to that by saying sure throw it out or yeah. did they react in my case yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. it's like okay, okay. you know yeah. and then eventually yeah. Yeah. you know that yeah. we would get something through that yeah. way yeah. but yeah. that that's my feeling it's like that little it, it, note they want to tell you is a lot, very often and it's, like it's, the it's, thing it's, it's one thing to do that on a show that's 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 going you know yeah. then you can throw out an episode but when it's right. the, when it's the pilot of a show when it's basically the idea that that. That attracted them to the show in the first place. That happens. That they are. That they suddenly get afraid of. Mm-hmm. You're. You're. You're really. You have fucked. to go sell you, it again. You. You. You, <laughs> you have to go sell it again. You have to hope yeah. that the executive gets fired. You have to hope that they. <laughs> that they. That they just forget. You know. Uh, it's tough. Well, that happens. Let's, by yeah. the way, them forgetting. I yeah. often. Yeah. 
My big technique is this. I'll, you know, like when I get the notes, I'm all, and this is in movies too, I'm always like, hmm, that's great. Interesting. Wow. Okay, great. And the ones I don't want to do, I don't do. Yeah. yeah. And 85% of the time, they don't bring up again. Right. Because they may be saying it to each Just say each yes other. to everything. You put stars next to lines that you didn't change. Yeah. Oh, God, it was a really a big rewrite. Here. Yeah. Like when, um, when they're on the phone giving you, when they're absolutely. on the phone giving you notes, they're also giving a performance to each other. You know, in their in their little boardroom. Yeah. And most of the time, they don't. You know, sometimes they'll come back with the same note, and then and then it's the old. It's the same thing every time. Yeah, we tried that; it didn't work. And and eighty percent of the time, they accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing that, that I remember Brian Denny he used to do it was just I just used to marvel at it. But you, it, let, let's say that there there's a scene, and at the end of the scene you find out that somebody's been fired. Let's say, and there the network says, you know, it's just that you don't know where the scene is going. Well, can, can he get fired at the beginning of the scene? And uh, you know. Then of course the scene is over, you know. So uh, Brian Denny, he he, uh, he used to say, "God, that's a great note. That's a great note. That is the, because the the key thing to this scene is that the guy is fired. That's that's perfect. You know what? I think I, that would be good. To, it would be good to save that to the end of the scene." Yeah. <laughs> and, and it would work, you know. That's great. Of course, he was also the star of the show, which means. <laughs> Again, he was selling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. true. Yeah. So well, because, you know, when you, when you initially are, are, as a writer, when you initially get, you get bombarded by these notes, the initial reaction is to shut down and to go into, you know, uh, like a beetle, you know, and uh, and just not say anything or to or to get defensive and defensive all that. Defensive will kill you. And and you can't do that. You can't do that. You gotta you gotta find a way to somehow make them think that they are geniuses for yeah. suggesting this thing that is the worst possible thing. And uh, can, you, can you guys remember the worst notes you've gotten? <sighs> yeah. No, but mine are all from commercials. But I had a client where they they came out and they said. That, the client doesn't like yellow. <laughs> like, so you think the client doesn't like a primary color? <laughs> I, 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 have, I have blotted them out from my memory. Probably, probably a good idea. I, I have something that might be helpful on notes, though, that I live by, which is I'll tell, I'll tell them that uh, uh, you, you can tell me the problem. Let me figure out the solution because I, I think a lot of times notes are just symbolic that there's something there that they're bumping into, but they really yeah, yeah. are laymen and they don't know how to express themselves. And then sometimes they feel bad and feel like they've got to give you – we've pointed out this problem. They've got to give you a solution and, to go with it. And if you're talking about that kind of note session that, that comes with a, say, a show in production that where they see, they see the run-through and then, then they have notes – uh, another good thing is to start with the notes yourself. To say, you know, I, I got this a real problem with this, but I can fix that. And then, Get to it then, first, and then they're they go, oh yeah, and then, and then unless you know they're gonna they want to shut the show down, uh, they'll be happy with that. They'll they'll be pretty much happy with that. Yeah, I think I agree. I think there's something absolutely to being able to decipher those notes. You know, whether it is offering your own solution, but to get to the root of the note rather than the text of the note. I, yeah. will, I will say good ideas stand, bad ideas fall apart on their own. I don't really have to be defensive. 
you know, or go crazy because yeah. if, it, if I have an idea that really shouldn't be in there, it will disintegrate. And if they have an idea that really shouldn't be in there, it will some, one way or another it will fall apart and go away. Okay. So that's just what I kind of believe in. Great. Uh, thank you, guys. We're going to turn it over to you all for questions. Uh, here's what I would like to uh, say. Please keep your questions brief. There are a lot of you, and we want to get to as many of them as we can. Um, let's try to keep the questions somewhat general. You know, we have three guys who have worked on lots of different kinds of projects, and uh, any of them should be able to answer any of the questions. We don't want a question like, how did terriers end? Which way did they drive off? <laughs> no. <laughs> we didn't write that one. <laughs> I think it was answered on Twitter. Actually. Yeah, well, that's what um, he says, but he so was, can, that was only one voice. Right, and that was that day. <laughs> yeah. The question is... <laughs> the question is whether or not uh, we should bother writing specs for existing shows, or should we write the original? When, when, I, when I started, of course, you would always write a spec script for an existing show. Be, you'd be crazy to write a spec pilot. But now, I think, in general, it's better to write a spec pilot. Uh, there aren't that many... The shows are, are so specific. If you, if you can write a good Mad Men, that doesn't really mean you could write a good CSI Miami, you know? Uh, uh, so unless, unless, and if you think, by the way, that, that you will write a spec script for a show and get a job on that show, that is absolutely never happens. I don't know why. I mean, when we, we would read specs, Murphy Browns, we would read spec... Oh, all kinds of shows, but whenever we would read a spec Cheers on Cheers, you know, there would just be too many problems that we'd see, we'd know, we know we didn't do that story because that didn't work, or we did that story, and 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 it was just we just knew it too well. So we would, uh, so you're you're not going to get a job on 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 that show that you write a spec script for. Well, I'm sure somebody did, but <laughs> but uh, that's generally been. But the in rule general, of I think it's better to write a spec pilot now. They're buying a lot more spec pilots than they ever have. Yeah, 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 and if yeah. no one buys and it, also there there is the possibility that yeah that it could actually sell, you know, that, as opposed to just with being your, a There's a lot sale. more venues, yeah, yeah, yeah for them absolutely. To go to. I mean, I the pilot that I I did this year that that is in production now at, at Warner Brothers, I, I wrote as a spec, <laughs> even even yeah. yeah. There's a lot of having to work for free that I'm a little tired of. <laughs> But, it, but it's part of the game, isn't it? You do have to work quite yeah, a lot for free. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, wow, dudes, really? Okay, you know? It's like I have to, like, get a bunch of energy going again, you know, because of that starting over thing. I mean, but I'm a little different than these two. I'm still breaking in. They're, you know, I broke in, and I break in again, and I break in again. I'm like the burglar that keeps coming back to your house because it's easy. I <laughs> into that. You're good. Are you leaving? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up so I can see all of you guys. <laughs> yes, back here. So this question about uh, the difference between pitching as a writer producer or to a writer producer is that the question? Going on your own or going in with someone else? It's 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 really pretty much the same. It's much I think the same. you you know you you pitch to a production company. Now, of course, the idea will probably change somewhat. Well, for the input that you get from them, and then when you go to the to pitch to the network, they might come with you, and they might help or hinder you. Uh, but it's uh, it's, I don't know. it's more it's, forgiving it's, it's to a producer. You're going to be yeah. in a more forgiving yeah. room with the producer. They're yeah. going to say, yeah. "I love this. Yeah. I love that. Let's change this, this, and that." And if you agree with them, and if you hone it based on their intelligence, and if they're smart and know their marketplace, it's going to be a better pitch once you go to the network. 
Have yeah. you guys all gone in with or as independent producers to the networks? Yeah. 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 And is that, do you find it uh, a better fit for the network? Is it easier to either get in or to take, go the next step? Or is there a difference? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on, on what year it is and what the idea is like. And sometimes I feel like you can tell whether they're going to buy a pitch within the first 30 seconds, you know, because they want to work with you or they don't want to work with you or they, they've heard it. They heard of the idea kind of because they always yeah, have I mean, kind I've... of heard of the idea. And uh, uh, so, so there are many the time when, you, when I've started the pitch and I know it's not going to sell. And then it's just, well, what do you, what do you do? How fast do you well, get what out? do you do in that case? I mean, you, you know, I just, go through it anyway. Just to, as a it anyway. pitch? Yeah, but yeah. like I said, what I've come up with is, is it's so hard to tell these. I've, I find it very hard to tell. So I figured out tricks on how you can read them. Little, little subtextual things. I know when it, I'm very good at now knowing when it's going to sell or not based, not based on the reaction, but based on little clues. Um, one is the questions they ask. Yeah, it's very yeah. important. One of the big questions is for the writer is simply, so what are you what are you working on now? Are you available to start this right away? Any timeline, any calendar, anything to do with calendar, they want to buy it. Yeah. When they st- yeah. and if they want to pass, they're going to start giving you the excuse in the room. If you hear any excuse at all, they're not buying it. They're just they're oh well, you know actually it's interesting because we have something similar to this, but it's not too similar. You're done. That's how they're, they're going to tell your agent or your manager. That's why they're not buying it. They're just setting you up so they can look like they're good people. And there's a million of those little things. So I can tell by not you know by the but you can't do anything in, in either case. You're helpless. You're helpless if they buy it, and you're helpless if they don't. So you just go in with your idea. Yeah, you, you go just... in with your song and dance. But you do if if you get to the Q and A, you know you're going to do the Q and A with them after the pitch, mm-hmm. and they might be on the fence. And you got to be, you know, you got to be intuitive. You got to know what their yeah. issue is. And and I've been in rooms with writers where the writer says the exact wrong thing, and I have to, you know, I try to interrupt them and and say the right thing because they're looking for a certain answer. But is this ever happening? Like I, I'll I'll have really what I consider to be a really shit pitch and they'll buy it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. then I'll do one yeah. and I think, man, yeah. I was so slick yeah. in there yeah. and then nothing yeah. happens. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. still kind of, I'm getting back to almost like you don't know anything. Yeah, my producing, <laughs> there's one quick story. Uh, my producer, there's a few years ago, my producing partner called me. He's like, we took this pitch in, blah, blah, blah. And he pitched it to me because I didn't know the idea because it was kind of his thing. He was working on it. I'm like, I don't get that. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't even, I don't, don't take it anywhere else. It's embarrassing. We sold it. We shot it. It didn't get on the air, but right. they loved it. I hated it. I still don't get it. Right. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, in these, b- before we get to the next question, in these meetings where uh, you're, you know it's not going to go well, or halfway through it's, uh, they've bailed on it already, do you find those to be valuable meetings anyway? Because so much of this job is networking. No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. But, but I have a feeling that you probably do, because you you, you can know how to read them and you can I guess learn from learn them, them and learn and, from yeah. experience. And you, you know, what, if guess. you're in the room with them, yeah, no, I do find them valuable. If you're in the room from them, you can ask them. Just chat. What are you guys looking for? What's interesting? What yeah, turn what's it into this? something else? So, so when you're as a producer, when I hear a pitch from a writer. That I know they're kind of they weren't looking for this thing we brought them, but I know that they're look they might love this other thing because I chatted with them at, at the pitch or after yeah, the pitch yeah. or in the Q and A. Yeah. yeah. 
Great. Uh, there's someone over here? Yeah. When you write an original script, is this on? <laughs> when you write an original script, uh, is it something that you want to write yourself, or do you take cues from managers, agents, networks, I, whomever? I mean, if, if you hear a cue that you respond to and that you think, oh, God, I always want to write something like that, then yes. But if you end up, if you write something that you don't believe in, I mean, there's just, there's just no point in it. It's not going to be any good, you know? If you hear a cue that you respond to, yeah. I would also, and if it's going to be a spec, write it in three weeks because in well, a month it will be a different mandate from the town. These things, <laughs> if you chase the town, you will not catch it. I think three weeks is enough time. I, 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 I think it's less than three <laughs> it weeks. Might but be. but I, I would also say that in general, it's good to write quickly anyway because I don't know. It's. Yeah, something to add. Here. I just had a different experience. I had uh, network ask me to write a show and uh, or a concept, and I I have sort of a journalistic approach to just writing stories. Anyway, I like doing a lot of research and finding out things that I don't know about and getting all inside of it, and I was fine with that. And it ended up being great. It ended up being one of the best things I'd ever done. Did they buy it? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck those guys. But maybe you, tur- maybe you turned it into something that wasn't what they wanted because you were interested in. Fuck them. It was great. If, yeah. if I could just. Oh, defensive and angry about it. We talked about anger. If I could, if I could just speak real quickly to the concept of writing quickly or or that that thing. We took out a a, a one hour with a with a writer who's good and and has sold a lot and he was frustrated. He was in a. He was in a place in his career where he wasn't selling recently, and he was frustrated. We didn't sell the one hour. It was a TV thing, but he he was. I remember in the waiting room or after a pass or whatever, he was like, fuck it, fuck this shit. I'm going to write a movie in three weeks. I don't care anymore. Dude, he sold it for a shitload. Wow. Literally like a, like two months ago. This was Nicky Fink. It was a whole thing. Michael Bates doing it. it was the it. anger that yeah. got him going. It was the fact that he yeah. also just let go of being precious. And he was taking, yeah. Yeah. He was taking yeah. two years yeah. for each feature spec. And then they weren't selling. And he was frustrated. So he said, screw it. I'm going to write in three weeks. Yeah. Kind of freed him up for whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Actually, let's, let's follow up on that for just a sec. Rob, I know your, your process is obviously a little different on these improvised shows. Most of the writing happens in the editing, I would imagine. How long Editing is that? and writing are the exact same process to me. I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to elaborate on it? It's the bunch of ideas, then narrowing it, funneling it down to what's really in. So how long, like this thing that you say I, you're working on now, yeah. which you were listening to on the way over, right? Right. Uh, how long does that process from shooting, or even from conception that to That one's hard to editing? judge because... Um, I had to put it aside and stop, start it, and all that. I think if you put it all together, it'd be it would be like writing a script. It would be like three months, okay. you know, basically. Uh, see, yep. this, but it was never all the way on, or it went on and off and on and off. So I don't know. Uh, this this sitcom that you most recently mm-hmm. wrote, uh, how long was the process for you? Well, it was very fast because actually uh, I had I, I, I was doing it with David Kissinger at Conoco, and we had we came up with a pitch that we really liked, and we felt really good about it. And we worked on it for like a month, and we took it out to all the networks, and it did it. Well, we we, so we sold it to Warner Brothers. Okay, then we took it out to all the networks, and it didn't sell. And we were shocked that it didn't sell because it was a really good idea. But meanwhile, we still had this uh, this script deal at Warner Brothers. So we were just saying, well, what do, what do you want to write? And by then, it was late in the pitching season. They'd already bought all their pitches. It was about um, November, I guess. And uh, I just started talking about my personal life and you know I had a brain aneurysm four years ago and we started talking about that and 
And he said, well, why don't you write about that? And I said, well, okay, you know, I guess you could write what you know. And, and I, I really just wrote it in order to get paid for the script. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, I, I pitched it to Warner Brothers. They really liked it. I, uh, I wrote it. They really liked it. It went out. It sold. So I, about a, from the beginning of when I got the idea to when I sold it, about a, about a month. Very fast. Yeah. Has, has anyone seen the movie with Nail and I? Yeah, with Nail and I. That's what yeah. writing feels yeah. like to me. That movie. Yeah. That's what it feels like. The what's in. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I on the other I'm, hand, I'm afraid I do. I on the other hand, I, I guess I'm kind of I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm unique and wrong. A little bit unusual. That I, I really like writing. I really, I really, you know, when I when I get the the outline approved and everything is fine and I'm grouped right. I'm mm-hmm. as I'm as just happy yeah. as I can be. I just there's love a place, it. I just love it. I just love it. There's a place where I, I I agree. It's like but there's I have to get to that place and then it's like a it's like oh well a yeah oh no 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 it's like, yeah, uh, now yeah it's working. writing the outline now it's all coming doing all that reason. yeah that there's that's something. a drag but uh, <laughs> getting to that but, uh, getting there is painful. Uh, yes, and Alan, I agree. I agree. Also, your most recent script. How long uh, was the process for you? The, the tele- TV script. The yeah. thing with that, we're waiting to find out now if TNT's going to pick us up. They will. Um, <laughs> Come on. It was, it's really good. You guys should find it. Um, it was a book. It was a book adaptation, so it was reading the book. It, it was, you know, reading the book, kind of distilling it down. The, it was. This was a bit longer of a process. There were some starts and stops. Uh, the script said they got the script. They really liked the script, but then sat there because they weren't making decisions on what pilots they're going to shoot or not for a few months. So the whole process is probably eight months. But that's how long was the actual writing though? Once you read the book, and I assume you were taking notes and things during the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, maybe three weeks to write the pilot, but then there's notes and you know and you got to do rewrites. That's but. pretty damn good. Yeah. There's someone up here. Yeah, but you know, I say you know, in in my case, you know, it, it like it it took me. About two weeks to write the outline, but I wrote the script in a week. So I mean, it's wow. actually—it's interesting. Yeah, planning it out is harder than actually executing it. Yeah, and we'll talk about. We didn't get that tonight, but if you guys are coming back in the future, we'll uh, talk about the process of outlining and all that stuff. Well, I will uh, say that in TV, it's outlining is extensive, and in features, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just give you this. You can answer right away. Um, hi, my question has to do with uh, career longevity. I'm old enough to be one of your siblings, not one of your children. <laughs> um, and I write prolifically, and I do storytelling, so I'm good at pitching. But, uh, you know, I'm showing up at your guys' age. So as, in terms of, like, staff writing stuff, uh, how big a deal is ageism? Uh, Did you guys a, all hear that? It's, it's, a, it's a very big deal in, in comedy. It's, I mean, I... I, I, I'm so old in comedy. I mean, they, they look at me and they think, what the fuck are you doing? You know, I come into the room and, you worked on Cheers? But God, you might. You must need a walker. Um, Take it off your resume. And, uh, you know, all that, it's very, very hard. And, and even when I create a show, they make sure that the staff is young. Because, you know, I don't understand about the internet or something. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, the, um, uh, now, in drama, it's not that way. In drama, I find that the writers have a lot, a lot longer longevity. Yeah, which are you doing? Comedy? Yeah. In, in drama, it, it, it's, it's okay. I mean, in drama, I'm often not the oldest guy in the room, although I was on, on Terriers. But um, 
yeah, it's you know if you the, the advantage is that of course if you come in whenever you come in and you're new, you're you're always new, and they always like something new. They always like the new writer. So if you can come in and make a mark, and you know, if you you know from some other field or something and do it, it can be it can be it can be good. That was when you said if you can make your mark in another field and cross over. Yeah. Yeah, if they read a script of yours and they really like it, just say you've been in prison for a long time. Yeah. Because that'll be cool to them. They'll be like, that's awesome. We got to hire the prison dude. The prison dude was great. That's actually true. Other, Other questions? Anyone? Yeah, in the back. No, you, with the glasses. You got it. About uh, the the internet um, and just how it's big. This... <laughs> it's, I, I understand it's worldwide. Oh. <laughs> um, how much in in your day to day dealings do you see? I mean, there's so many people just going out and producing web series and mm-hmm. um, the rise of that, and how if that has bearing on on. Your experience in the industry. I have a story. Go. Wait, hold on. Do I need to repeat that, Barry? No. Not for you guys. I just uh, I went into Hulu. You know Hulu? <laughs> on the internet. And Someone show FIFA. <laughs> they want to do TV shows, and boy, the hoops that they want me to jump through to do that, it's almost like... I can't do it. It's just too much. There's just, you know, they really want the, they want me to prove the concept further, way further beyond what we were talking about. And I think probably because they have less margin of error. But I don't know if that answers the internet question, but it's out there. That's one of my first meetings I've ever had like that. On the other hand, I mean, if you're a young comic or a young writer and all that, you, you do a short it helps that they're short um, because people can only look at them for 30 seconds. Or um, you know, if you can if you can do that, the, you will be seen, and and they will maybe they'll go for it. I mean, I, I can't figure out how you can actually make money on the internet, but it, it is a it is a great way to start. It is a great way to start. It's a calling card right now it's in a, the business. It's it's great, and for for TV, for comedy, and all that, it's it's. It's really wildly it's the effective. The sizzle reel again. It's yeah, the presentation. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You can improve the concept by shooting it. Yeah, even yeah. if you shoot a piece of it. But, but yeah. and whether it's the concept you're trying to sell or not, there's really something to be said for letting this live elsewhere than just your hard drive, where nobody's looking at your material. That's true. Putting That's true. And and, and uh, I mean, well, you do that with the radio show too. It's a thrilling adventure hour, everyone. Um, <laughs> um, April, April second is the next. But show. yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that that. That's really true. I mean, if you you write something, you write a sketch or whatever, and you think it's really funny, and then you put it away, or you give it to your friends, and they can read it. But if you do it, and and everybody can see it, I mean, that's kind of rewarding in and of itself. If it if it's good, if it gets a laugh, you know. I will say this: when I when, when I'm talking to younger you know people at studios or even networks, and they're on the internet looking for looking at shorts, looking at YouTube, whatever, um, funny or die. Uh, they're always looking for talent. They're not looking for concepts. They're not saying, yeah. oh, I'm going to come up with yeah. the next great show. Yeah. They're like, I want to find, oh, this guy made me laugh. I want him to come in and, and write something for me. So it's more about a calling card for the talent, I think, than the idea itself. Yeah. yeah. Another heartbreak 
Uh, more questions? There are some back here. Yeah. After you create something like that and put it online, how do you get it in front of their eyes? Is it a passive thing where you hope maybe they see it and call you? Because there's no physical I mean, it, it's it's kind of like anything else. You just word have to hope that the connections, the word of mouth, that enough people, you have to know somebody. I mean, it's... It's kind of like the same problem that people used to have when they read a spec script. How do you get them to read it? How do you get them to see it? It's kind of uh, it's a little bit easier, I think, because it you can just click on it and there it is. But it's, it's word of mouth. I mean, it, yeah. it's everybody. You know, everybody's eating. It's viral. You got to just tap into whatever that lightning in a bottle is. But you know what it is? It's doing good work and pushing yourself to do good work and being a bigger, better writer than you were the day before, and all this stuff that is. You, you think you can slack off on for just one split second and yeah. you really can't. And it's that's really the whole thing is to do something excellent and great. And one way or another, someone's going to see it and it's going to get through and something will happen. And you have to compete with kittens getting tickled on their stomachs, you know. I mean, oh, oh on the Internet. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there, that's absolutely right that there's something to be said for it. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at yeah, it. Yeah. And if you do something that's good, people are going to respond to it. It might take some time, but people will respond. Uh, there's a question back here in the middle. Yeah. Um, my question is, how do you protect your idea or your work, especially if you're doing like a 12-minute uh, pitch on a feature? Like you said, you're basically just giving them a concept. And if you're new and they don't know you, or what, what's to stop them from taking that and giving that idea to a writer that they've worked with before or that they have a relationship with? My answer is nothing. Nothing's going to stop them, but I never have worried about that. When writers bring it up, I tell them not to worry about it. If You know what? Let them take that. Come up with 50 more. That's, I agree. If you're only good for one idea, then you're not very good. Yeah. I, I feel like, ah, eh, fuck them. But I'm, I've never registered an idea or a script I've written in my life. I've never registered I'm anything. Either. No, no. I knew. Uh, I, I meant I, to. I, I tell you a story about about <laughs> about Bob Newhart when he was first starting as a comic. Um, he uh, there was some jokes from uh, that he did in a, in a club that got stolen by I think Milton Berle, and <laughs> and his response to that was, "Wow, my jokes must be really good because Milton Berle wants to do them." So it just encouraged him. That's kind of sick, isn't it? Well, like, wow, I just got raped. Someone loves me. <laughs> you know, Bob? We should bring the curtain down there, but we do have time for a couple more. Yeah, all the way in the back. <laughs> this is a great question about uh, the spec competitions and writing fellowships. And I know we're going to get to this if you come back on the 20. 20- Seventh, when Jane Espenson is here, she will talk all about that. But do you guys have thoughts about that? I think they're great. I, 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 I do. I, I think, think that that's a good way to separate I yourself. I think they're good. I mean, I, 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 I want to, I want award for a comedy playwriting. I got an NEA grant, um, but they didn't really lead me anywhere. They didn't really. I mean, they tied me over. They, they didn't really lead anywhere until. The breakthrough happened, you know. So. But any time someone's like, read this script, in my experience, yeah. to me or to someone in the networks or, 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 you know, in the feature world to the studios, can you please read this? This guy won the nickels. This guy won this. Yeah. You don't even yeah. know. You can make it up. This guy won the, the you know, the Harbinger Award. It doesn't matter. It's just, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, I'll read it. And it just, it does. It separates you from, even from the rest. Even festivals. Anything. Mean, anything. They have like, Festivals for television scripts now? I'm sure they do. 
Oh, really? I'll say it. Anything That's to separate. <laughs> I mean, right. Anything to separate yourself from, from There's so much out there yeah. We have time for one more Who's got uh, a great question Nobody does wow. Is it wow. great <laughs> I just wanted to no ask pressure. When you're writing a, a spec pilot The difference between is, is there something specific That you need to set up About the overall series Everything Yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah I mean I, I, writing, writing a pilot is hard Because you have to both set up all the characters and the situation and tell a compelling story in that amount of time, either, either an hour or a half hour, you know, whether it's a mystery story or whatever. And it's really hard because you've got, you've got a ton of exposition to deal with. You have to, the, the way that I look at pilots, especially one hours, is the vertical and the horizontal. The, the vertical is that closed-ended episode. Beginning, middle, and end needs to be great. And then what's the horizontal? What, what seeds are you planting that are going to take us through the series arcs on the horizontal? Very yeah. good. That was good. I like that. Take, keep that one. <laughs> and I, I, I would add, on, on back to the pitching and all that, to, say, to go in and give them a little bit and the, you know, the log line and blow them away. That represents a ton of work that you did and condensed down to this little thing. So there's no way out of doing a shitload of work. And and, and the more you information, of course, that you have, even if you didn't pitch it, when they ask questions, yeah. and then you have answers, that's good. You know. You and, I, and I would add, uh, and we had this experience recently, uh, it depends what the... Uh, final reason for that spec is you know we developed an hour-long show for usa and which they ultimately didn't make the pilot but with those fuckers you're not i'm sorry fuck you're not wrong uh with with a few tweaks it was a very satisfying sample and it serves us well as that now yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, i don't want a fucking sample (laughs) i won't send it to you Uh, i want a show i don't want a sample don't worry sample Uh, we need to thank you all for coming tonight. We need to thank 826LA for having us. We need to thank Nerdist Industries at here at Meltdown. This is a great room. Your panelists tonight have been Alan Loeb, Keith Sutton, and Rob Roy Thomas. My name is Ben Blacker. I have really enjoyed being here. We'll see you next week, I hope. Now leaving Nerdist.com.